Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Today, Carl and Nick reflect on the current state of the roster, how the players have done so far at the quarter mark of the season, and start looking ahead to potential holes and maybe even talk some draft. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dummler, and with me as always, we have Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, Monday night, my area was in a tornado warning. <laughs> Thankfully, nothing happened. We also had a hailstorm that lasted for about an hour. But I told you that if, if I got blown away, at least one of my last memories would be that the Broncos beat the Faders. Let's just take a second here to talk about that game and, and just really just take in the sweet victory of beating the Raiders. Oh, it was it was great. Loved it. Wasn't the wasn't the cleanest game, but an ugly win still counts as one win in the win column. And so I'll take it. Yeah. Like we talked about last week, if you can beat your division rivals, I mean, those games are always the wackiest. You never really know what's going to happen. You can throw out the records. If you can come out with the W with relatively no injuries, that's a huge win. Not not only a win in the stack home, but just a win overall. So going into the bye week, three and one, no major injuries to date, and defense looks like one of the top three, if not the best unit in the NFL again. So I'm, I'm excited going into the bye week. I'm cautiously optimistic, which if any of you listeners know, I'm kind of the, the anti-homer. I really dig in my heels when uh, people start hopping on the bandwagon too much. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I think things are looking good. And the next the next four games, though, We'll get into that, but the next four games look like probably the toughest of the season. Next five games, especially. Yeah, I agree. But great to be three and one. That was to me the most optimistic spot that we could be at after four games. I figured there had to be one loss, just with new coaching staff, some new players coming in, especially on the offensive line. There's just a lot of change going on. So three and one to start off the season after all those changes looks good. And yeah, I'm excited to kind of dig into this and see what we can see for the team and and maybe some some areas that they could improve on. And and this is what I had somebody ask me about the, this early bye week. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it anything? There's good and bad to it. The good is that the Broncos get a great time to do some self-evaluation and figure out how to fix their weaknesses early in the season. They they get there's hardly any inj- injuries, so they can really re- just take the time just to watch a bunch of tape and really say, okay, this is how we can get better, especially on the offensive side. 
what's bad about it is now we got what 12 straight weeks of football if depending on what happens with the playoffs maybe even more that's a lot of football right in a row for these guys so good and bad for for having this bye week early but we'll take it here to have a chance to reflect on the quarter part of the season and really break down this broncos team but before we get to all of that, let me remind you that this show's focus is all things to pertain to your Denver Broncos. From game previews to reviews, roster analysis, offseason and draft speculation, and we like to throw in a few hot takes here and there. Nick and I will continue to bring relevant and intriguing content for the most hardcore fans who eat, sleep, and breathe Bronco football. While it is fun to simply watch the game, we are here to provide you with an entertaining deep dive on the Broncos each and every week. Nick and myself being film junkies, We'll be bringing you these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's vantage point. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as Bronco and football crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy this show. Now, real quick, before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is all about the excitement of making accurate sports predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. It's totally recreational, and there are all kinds of prizes. In today's climate, the fantasy industries have made watching football a lot more interesting. So go to mybookie.net and compete for great prizes totally free. Bronco fans, I I need to take a second here to to help you to understand how much Nick loves the offseason. The draft in particular, but just the offseason completely in general. This guy pretty much the day after the draft in April, I guess it went into May a little bit there too, was already starting work on the 2018 draft. He was already sending me videos of, hey, you should check out this player. Almost every single day since he has sent me videos, I think the only time you really didn't send me videos is when you went on vacation. I'm guessing your girlfriend said uh, that's a football free zone. I just didn't have as much internet there. There you go. Okay. And I needed to unplug. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's probably a good thing. But uh, and talking about unplugging, you, uh, <laughs> I have in my notes, you, this man is a machine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, th- this podcast, uh, I, I know that this is one that you've been looking forward to. Actually, you're like the one person that's like, oh man, bye week. That means we get to talk about the the entire roster and how we could better this roster for next year. And and you are just like, I don't know, you're you're like John Elway Jr. when it comes to to trying to build this Broncos team. And I love it. And I'm excited for this one. This is a, for, for a bi-week episode. I think this is a great thing just to really do is take some time, just reflect on the team and and just see not only for this year, but but next year, what can we be doing to to be making this team better? Because that's that's what you're trying to do every year, trying to get that little bit better to, to make sure that you stay at that championship caliber. Uh, you know, you look at those first, what, five years here where we went to the playoffs every single year and just kind of built up to that 2015 season where we finally were able to get over the top and win that Super Bowl. And and, and 2016, I, I just, it was a little bit of a, almost the team kind of hitting the reset button a little bit, just taking a little bit of a breath. And and this year, kind of getting back into it. So let's let's just start with, with our roster as it is today. Let, let's look at that and take some time just to see where are some strengths, where are some weaknesses, and and just break down each position 
and kind of give them a little bit of a grade here. And I think we're going to agree on on some of these, but we might have a few that are a little bit different. And and it always starts with the quarterback. What have you thought about Trevor Simeon? Actually, Carl, before we get to that, I just wanted to touch on calling me John Elway Jr. When I was younger, I used to play Madden, MVP baseball, and all those sort of games. I mean, even the NCAA football. And I would probably play maybe a fourth of the games. I'd only play the important games. And instead, I would do free agency, try to get good contracts, uh, and just build dynasties. So even from a young age, I mean, I obviously playing the games is the fun, but I was, I was enjoying building the roster and making a juggernaut. So that's pretty much what the draft is. And I'm, I'm doing it as an adult now. So some things don't change, but yeah, as for Trevor Simeon, I gave him a B B minus. Uh, you gave him a B minus too. I'm, I'm impressed. I was more impressed with the first two games, obviously, than I was the second two games and something that I know we both will agree on, and I'm sure you will touch on it as well, is that his pocket awareness is something that is, has, got, has got a ways to go still. A lot of people, a lot of Bronco fans are harping on the offensive line now. While Menelik Watson isn't a Lane Johnson over there at right tackle, he's not an elite right tackle. In fact, he's below average as a pass blocker if you want to get down to it. But the offensive line as a whole is playing much better this year across the board, especially in run blocking. But Trevor is, I heard Shannon Sharp say, it seems like he's seeing ghosts. Trevor is running around and almost wincing when there isn't pressure there yet, or he is moving in areas where he's not helping his offensive lineman. He's moving into pressure, or he's just missing that open area where he could slide and buy himself three, four, five more seconds. I saw him do it in the, I believe it was the second drive of the game where he had one where he slid beautifully to the left, hit Emmanuel Sanders. He had another one where he slid to the right and he hit Derby did a good job on the route, the play I'm talking about, but he actually hit Fowler. It was the one where they were both kind of close to each other, almost a broken play. Uh, So he did well on that drive, but overall after that, he just started looking panicked to me and he just needs to do a better job sensing pressure, moving in the pocket and not only protecting the ball, but protecting himself. He's subjecting himself to some pretty big hits and, a lot of those times when he got sacked, I was wincing because I was worried that either A, he was going to get hurt, or B, it was going to be a monu- uh, momentum-switching turnover. Uh, luckily, that didn't happen, but... <laughs> got he, close. He, yeah, it got close. That's for sure. Thanks, Donald Stevenson. That was like one that was like definitely not uh, Simeon's fault. But there were the right. other ones I feel like he had a decent amount of fault, if not a majority on. He definitely had a majority of fault on two of the four sacks. Yeah. But he just, I don't know. I'd give him a BB minus just because... He looks better than last year, in my opinion. Uh, he looks like he's doing better going through his reads, better getting to that, getting off that primary read, getting to the second, using his legs a little bit better outside the pocket, and uh, throwing the ball in places where guys can make more things happen. I've seen more yak opportunities this year, which I'm all about the yak. But overall, uh, BB minus, and the the next four games I think are going to be the real ones that I'm going to be judging them on because it's a lot different playing on the road. Definitely. And what we saw is worse. I don't know. It's it's a debate a little bit of whether this last one or the one before that was his, his worst game. I think the two turnovers make the, the Buffalo Bills game a lot worse. Absolutely. Just because the, the turnovers are, are the one of the few stats that you can really look at and say, this is, if you look at who won the turnover differential, that's usually who won the game. It, it's very rare that it's not the other way, which is why I was laughing so hard at the Patriots losing to the Panthers at home because they had a two plus two turnover differential in that game and they still lost, <laughs> but that's, that's a different game talking about Simeon here. Yeah. He's, he's exceeded my expectations, I guess is what I would say. 
I, I didn't have the highest expectations coming into the season. I wasn't the biggest fan of what he did last year. I, I didn't see what some of the other people were seeing because a lot of people were really high on, oh man, this guy and, and trying to compare him to uh, Tom Brady and how he did in his first 16 games and all those kind of things. And, and he has some moments and then he has some other moments that just leave you shaking your head. And, and he still has every once in a while where he has those dumb decisions that make you just go, what, what were you seeing? I really don't get what you were seeing to make this kind of play. So th- there's still some things he really needs to clean up and, and there are things that he can actually work on. He can get better about pocket awareness and understanding how to set up his offensive lineman for better blocks. You kind of talked about it there where sometimes where he starts hearing the ghost and he'll just kind of run right into a sack that first game against the Chargers. There was a couple times where Millick Watson actually had a decent block where he was taking his guy to the outside. And what does Simeon do? He tries to bail out to the right side and he tries to get around the edge. And Simeon has shown some decent running ability, but he's not Cam Newton. <laughs> he's not Paxton Lynch when it comes to running. He's he's one of those guys that can about maybe twice a game his feet to make a play, and so he's just he's got to understand his strengths, his weaknesses, and and just see what he can do. He's a smart player, and uh, he's good for what we have as a team. When we are a great running team and we have a great defense, you need a quarterback that can be smart. And this last game, no turnovers. That was great to see. But yeah, with all the big hits he's taken, I just have a hard time seeing him last the entire year if he continues to play that same way. So just a few things clean up. Decent quarterback, not great, at least right now. But he's got some opportunities coming up. I have a question for you. If Simeon plays at this level going forward, you know, doesn't improve at all, just hypothetically, doesn't regress, doesn't improve, just at this level that he's been the first four games, with the roster the way it's playing, how far could he take this team? AFC Championship. AFC Championship. See, I see, I see wild card because... And this is a little bit nuanced just because of what how it would play out if he plays at this level. I see wild card game because I don't see his quarterback play being good enough to defeat the Chiefs right now, at least surpass them through the rest of the season. And that would mean our first road game or our first playoff game is on the road. And I do not see Simeon winning his first playoff game on the road. Stranger things have happened, but that's just how I see it. But I see nine to eleven win team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think that's that's exactly where they are. I say AFC Championship just because we have a run game and we have a defense, and both of those travel well, and both of those play well, especially late in the season. So that that's where I, I give them an opportunity to maybe go sneak a couple wins, even on the road. But at some point in the playoffs, you're going to need your quarterback to go and make you some plays. And Simeon, he's he's one of those guys so far this year. When when the Broncos have been winning and have been able to run and he's been able to be able to do play action, that's his big thing. When he can have the play action going and finding guys real quick and, and that, that's where his strength is. But if we ever find ourselves behind by a couple touchdowns and needing him to come lead us back, he's just not that quarterback, at least not right now, I would say. And if he played the exact same way throughout the rest of, of the year. I would pretty much say he's just not that quarterback that can go do that. And it's going to take our defense pretty much playing at that 2015 level throughout the playoffs. But even there, Peyton Manning had a couple times where he really helped the team get an early lead that allowed the defense to pin their ears back. So we need the same from Simeon. He would need to continue to have this great first quarter like he's been having. He always plays great in the first quarter. Something happens there, creativity in the play calling, whatever you want to say. Teams figure out what they're trying to do. I don't know, but the offense just stalls after that. 
But that first quarter, if he can go out there and get that 10-0 lead, maybe some things can happen in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. And that's not to say that he can't improve. I mean, this is still a new offense. He, we had a quarterback battle. The chemistry is not as far along as for a team that wouldn't have had that quarterback battle with the receivers. Offensive line is still coming along. And just all of that really makes a difference. And we have the bye week, so... Luckily, we have a home game coming up after the bye week against the Giants. And after coming off his two worst performances of the year, granted it's only four games, but weeks one and two are better than three and four. I'm hoping to see a, a step forward from him. You know, just if he can improve incrementally each and every week, each and every quarter of the season, he could be something. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited enough. It's, I'm, not, I'm not at a point, though, where I can say, yes, Trevor Simeon is the franchise quarterback going forward. But I'm also not at the point where I'm saying he can't be the guy. So right. We're just gonna that's kind of where I'm at. And that's, I think that was the hard part. And we're going to get into it here in a little bit with our drafts. Where do we go with the quarterback position? There, there's so many, there's so many questions about that right now, but yeah. uh, I don't know. Anyway, we have a lot of positions to get to here, so we'll, we'll keep going and running back. We're kind of hitting some of the big positions here to start off with, but, but running back CJ Anderson, Jamal Charles, pretty much been the two main guys. Booker just got back. Had his five yard or his five carries this last game, and I think he averaged what four point seven or four point nine yards per carry. Yeah, so showed showed very well. I was very impressed with him. But what what grade would you give the running backs? I would give the running backs an A. C.J. Anderson's been playing some of his better ball, been staying healthy, which is key for him. He doesn't look that worn out yet. Getting him that fifteen to twenty carries a game, I think, is going to be clutch for him. And also getting them used in the uh, the the passing game has been big. Jamal Charles looks like the Jamal Charles of old, and I love that we're getting him only five to ten touches a game because I do get a little bit, I do grimace a little bit every time he gets tackled. I mean, there's that one where he got his legs taken out against the Raiders, and I was like, oh no, oh no. But when he touches the ball, he's dynamic, and Booker looks good. So I'm, I'm very excited about this running back depth. I mean, we had Henderson, who was inactive for the last game. And I think that that is in my ease to victory five highlights from the victory piece that I wrote. I said that the running back depth is the, the strength of the offense this year. And I believe that they should just con- continue to ride that the way this team is built with a, still a pretty green quarterback and the offensive line that's doing better running the game with the depth that we have just continue to run the ball. If we're not close to 50, 50, 50 and runs to pass every game, then I'm probably not going to be that happy. I know that's kind of a, a stretch in today's NFL, you know, but the pass happy league is taking over, but with the stable running backs, an offensive line that's better at run blocking, and a great defense, just continue to run the rock. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wish there would be a little bit more creativity in the fourth quarter, some outside runs, instead of just, hey, let's just run it straight up the middle and get two yards and two yards again and then have to pass on third down. I wish there would be a little bit more, especially when you got Jamal Charles who can get to the edge. I think Booker is one that has enough speed to get to the edge. Just mix in a little bit more on some of those things. And I'm sure that'll show up more as the season goes on. They're still getting to know their personnel, what they can do with each and every one of them. But I'm, I'm with you. I gave them an A when we're third in rushing yards, 11th in yards per carry. And really that's, that's been the identity of the offense. Like you said, when they, that smash mouth football and I love third down and one, I, I don't worry about it as much as I used to. <laughs> I still have that the flashbacks of the 2016 season every once in a while when I see third and one, but then they pick it up and I go, Oh yeah, this is a new season. And it's just been fun to watch. It's been nice to see guys moving people off the line of scrimmage and running backs, being able to find some nice holes to run through. There's, there's one with, Oh, I can't remember some NFL network guy was, was highlighting one of the plays and Paradis got a nice seal block. Leary got another seal block. Then uh, Janovich got, 
um, got to the second level on the linebacker and just a nice hole for, for Charles to run through. It was just, it was a thing of beauty. We haven't seen it. I, I can't remember the last time we really saw this kind of just incredible running ability that we can actually control the line of scrimmage on offense. So love it. I love what CJ Anderson and Jamal Charles are doing. They're making guys miss. They're picking up tough yards and that's going to have to continue. But moving on here, we have wide receiver. I'll be honest, and I'll start this one. I've kind of made you start the last two. I went with a B minus, and I think I was being a little bit generous. I just, some of it is Trevor Simeon's not finding always the open guy. So it's not all on them, but I've seen Emmanuel Sanders with a couple drops that he just never really ever has. I think he had that one season where he had zero drops. And all of a sudden, here he is having a couple drops. DT is showing a couple drops. I know that touchdown pass uh, on Sunday, it was going to be a very tough catch for for DT. But he's made those catches before. And they need to get him more involved. They can't just give him five five attempts. They, they can't do that. They got to get him a few more attempts throughout the game. And they got to find ways to get him involved early in the game. Some screen passes I haven't really seen. I don't think we've had one to DT yet, have we? Maybe they've attempted one and it didn't work. I, I can't remember, but I, I can't remember seeing one. And it just, I don't know. These wide receivers, I'm just, for, for how much we're paying them, how much they're, they're expected to be those top playmakers on the team, it just hasn't been there. It, the one guy that's kind of impressed me is, uh, is Fowler. He's made some tough catches. He's made some really nice catches when we absolutely needed him, especially in the red zone. Made that nice catch on Sunday. Where it's kind of a weird who's 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 he throwing it to, and Fowler comes up with it. So he's actually been the one guy that's kind of impressed me. But right now, I just I'm not impressed with Sanders and, and DT. They got to go make a couple more plays for this team. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. The thing that makes it hard to judge wide receivers is that it is a quarterback dependent position. And I'm not saying Simeon's not getting in the ball. I mean, we've had drops and stuff, but there's been. Plenty of times when those guys have been open or maybe they've been slightly open, but it would take a big boy throw, so to speak, to hit them with proper timing and uh, air on the ball and everything. And, you know, sometimes that's maybe not the safest throw. And we're not telling Simeon to take too many shots. He's not out there playing Jameis Winston ball where he's chucking it to OJ Howard and Mike Evans. You know, that's just not the identity of the team. But I would agree with you. I think a a B minus is probably about right. And Demarius Thomas has been the most disappointing I wish he had, gosh, I love DT. I really do. He's a great player. But sometimes I wish he just had a little bit more dog in him. Like if I, after that Bills game or losing that Bills game or after this game, what do you have, one catch, you said? One I catch would be, for 11 yards, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you won the game. That's what's important. You won the game. But as DT, if the offense is struggling, I know that I can make a difference. I'm the wide receiver one. I mean, he hopefully has that mentality. Get me the ball. Let me Let me make some plays. Let me make things happen. He did do a good job also. He only had one catch, but he did draw that pass interference, which is as good as a catch, in my opinion. So hopefully we'll see him more involved going forward because we're going to need him and Sanders to be more productive going down the stretch. And 110% agreement with you with Fowler. He's been probably our, the most impressive wide receiver we've had. He hasn't been the best. I mean, Sanders and DT are obviously better, but considering what I was expecting going in and how he's played, I mean, him himself, I give him a B plus. Sanders and DT get C's. Yep, I, I completely agree with you on that. Well, moving on to to the big boys here. And this has been kind of a, a controversial group of, of people not agreeing on what they're seeing here. And, and it's Bowles and Watson at the offensive tackle positions. And I guess some of this is 
it's so hard. And what were the expectations going in and, and what have they done compared to those expectations, I guess, is some of it. And then some of it also is, do you view it as how are they doing compared to everybody else at their position? I, I don't know. There, there's just some of that. And, and for Bulls, I gave him an A because he's a rookie that was raw coming in. A lot of people thought he would really, really, really struggle his rookie year. And while he's had his struggles, he's had his moments where his technique wasn't great. He had his moments where he kind of guessed wrong on what kind of pass rush attempt a defensive lineman was going to try against him. I still give him an A just because he's playing so much better than a lot of people gave him credit for or a lot of people expected from him. And he's been great in the run game. He's gotten people moving. He is a finisher. He's a fighter. He, he sets the tone. I thought it'd be Leary that set the tone for the offensive line. It is Garrett Bowles. That guy goes out there and just wants to destroy people. He he just plays angry and he plays for his team. And, and even when he messes up, I love the fight that he has to get back into the play. I, I've seen him take some terrible steps and it looks like he's beat really bad. And all of a sudden here he comes flashing back into the screen and just gets enough on a defender to push them away from Simeon. And so that's why for me, I give him an A just because he's playing above expectations and I just expect him to continue to, to grow into the position. And then for Watson, I gave him a C. I know a lot of people would say, how could you give him anything above an F? <laughs> and, and I think so many people are just so stuck on those first two games where he got really abused by the Chargers, got pretty abused by, by the Cowboys. But the last two games, he's looked decent. I, I Especially against Mac, I Mac's going to win some of those battles. You and I are in agreement that we think that Mac is probably the number two kind of defensive end, outside linebacker, pass rush option in the NFL. Right? We both have Von Miller ahead of him. Yeah, I I have. Oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the guy from from uh, the Rams, Donald. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Donald. I have him ahead of ahead of Mac. I have Mac as my number three defender in the NFL. But being the number three defender in the NFL, you expect him to win those one-on-one battles. Just like all Bronco fans expect Von Miller to win one-on-one battles whenever he gets the chance. He doesn't get a lot of them, but when he does, you expect him to win that. And Watson had a couple times where he was one-on-one with Mac, and he got the better of Mac. And he had some other times where he got pushed back a little bit, but you kind of expect your quarterback just to feel the pocket a little bit better. And Simeon just kind of ran into it. And I wouldn't put that all on Watson. I'd put about 75% of that on Simeon, 25% of that on Watson. And he's a great run blocker. He's done really well in the run game. Some of our biggest runs of the year have been running right behind Watson. He's been very, very impressive in that, that sense. And to me, he's just that typical right tackle. You get a right tackle that's uh, traditionally in the NFL. Your right tackle is your good run blocker that you want to run behind. He's the guy that can move people. And then they are a little bit worse in the pass game there's going to be those couple times they get beat a game. So uh, that's why I give him a solid C. I think he's getting better. That's, that's the thing you want to see. You want to see a guy that's getting him, that's improving as the season goes. If he stayed the same as that first game, yes, I would be saying somehow, some way we got to find something better because we can't have what he did in that chargers game. That was terrible, but I don't know, just the last couple games, like I said, I just, I've seen improvement and that's all I can ask for right now. Yeah. I think the tackles have been playing pretty well um overall probably a b minus bowls gets a b for me he still has some of the the issues that he had in college and i'm not expecting to see those improve tremendously uh at least i wasn't expecting to see him through the first four games 
but he's doing better than I thought he would. He's looking much more smooth in his pass blocking sets. I mean, there's never been a doubt that he's had the potential because he has the right frame. He has the right mentality and he is probably one of the top 10 to 15 athletes at the tackle position in the NFL right now. That's, that's not even a stretch. Um, so with that, and I think he's, I mean, from everything that I've heard and the way he presents himself, I can't imagine he's not going to put in the work to get better. Uh, so I'm, I'm very optimistic about him. The issues he's had, is, he's had issues somewhat with penalties, uh, some discipline. I mean, he had that false start at home in the red zone. You can't have that, although it's still better than it was um, at Utah, at least early in his Utah career where he was very penalty prone. And he still has some issues with his core strength, but he's doing a better job uh, shuffling his feet, just making sure that he's using his mass just to keep in front of guys in those bull rush. If he can just keep resetting his feet, um, with especially how wide a foot he is, he can at least stay in front of those guys. And I'm expecting him to get stronger and better with uh, moving guys with the power scheme going forward. So excited about him. Watson, I have been defending. Uh, he is an above average, the B-level run blocker at right tackle but he's a D to D minus as a pass blocker. I went in to watch the Raiders film today because I am doing a film piece on him. And when the guy is right in front of him and he is asked to go forward and especially make a run block, he is effective. He can even get two people. He's really good. Him and Leary had a couple uh, good double teams where they'd blast that defensive tackle inside. And then uh, Watson would climb up and take out a linebacker. Beautiful. Set up a beautiful inside lane. But he just does not look fluid enough in his kick step. He's just not quick enough to the outside. And I don't know if it's injury over time, if he's just not quick enough, period, if he could lose some weight and potentially add a little bit more agility. But uh, I don't know. He's going to have to play better. Granted, he's gone up against some incredible edge rushers to start the year. Uh, Ingram and Lawrence lead the NFL in sacks. Mack, for my money, is the second best defender in the NFL. And he's just going to have to do better in the pass blocking. Simeon seeing ghosts primarily because of Watson. Garcia has a lot to do with it, but also last season, I'm sure, hurt as well. <laughs> but a lot of it's to do with Watson. And I'm encouraged by the play calling. I mean, they used a lot of double teams to help uh, slow down Mac because they know that Watson can get beat to the outside. And sometimes when he gets get beat across his face, you know why? Because he's cheating to the outside because he doesn't trust his foot quickness. So it's something to watch going forward. Uh, I was hoping to see a little bit more athleticism on tape than I saw in this Raiders game. Granted, one game, still getting cohesion, uh, still working in to the Broncos offensive line. I mean, this is a guy who's been injured for most of his career. He's going to take a little bit of time to develop. He didn't get the proper development in Oakland because he wasn't seeing the field. How can you properly develop if you're not seeing the field, especially as an offensive lineman? I mean, they're already cutting down practice hours. So something to watch going forward. I'd give Watson probably a, a, a D plus right now. He gets a, a B in run blocking, but a D minus in pass blocking. And hopefully the, he'll be better going forward. But Garrett Bowles, we were pounding the table. We said this offensive line class was not that bad last year. Not that bad. And uh, do I have my tea around here? I'm going to sip some tea. So far, we were looking right. <laughs> yeah. I, you and I have watched a little bit of Cam Robinson. That You and I both were a little bit higher than other people that we know were, were on him. And he's looked decent for Jacksonville. We knew if he got into the right scheme, he would look good. And he's in a great scheme in Jacksonville with their power, their power blocking that they want to do. And yeah, so it's not as bad as, as some people were making it out to be. And Bowles is definitely at the top of that class, in my opinion, of what he's shown so far this year, both being a great run blocker and, and showing well in the, in the pass blocking as well. But moving on here, we have the, the offensive guard position. And this is such a weird position right now <laughs> with this whole rotation thing. I, let me just start there. 
do you think the Broncos should continue with the rotation or do you think they should start after this bye week committing to just one of them? Uh, I feel like Barber is playing better than Garcia overall, but there are some plays where Garcia really flashes in the run game. I mean, he has blown open a couple good, um, a couple of big holes. And if you recall in 2015, we were rotating Mathis and Garcia in and out as well. So I'm going to have to trust the offensive line coach here. He's the one who's uh, shuffling them in and out based on what he's seeing, how he feels the game's going. And uh, I continue to do it. I'd like to see even maybe a little bit more McGovern, but that's because I'm a McGovern fab fanboy. So we'll see about that. Maybe after the bye week, if they're still struggling, they'll toss him in there. But I, I'm okay with it. Garcia is not consistent enough. I guess I'll just roll into my grades right now. Um, Leary, I gave a B plus. Garcia, a D. And Barber, a C, C, C minus. Uh, Leary has been pretty much what you've hoped for at that position. I, I was hoping that he'd be a little bit better in the ground game than he's been. Just a little bit more of an earth mover. I mean, he's doing fine in that regard. Don't get me wrong. But I was, you know, I want I want Gabe Jackson, essentially, at right guard. Or Mikey Potty in his heyday. Just somebody that's just an absolute monster. <laughs> so maybe we'll find one of those in the draft uh, the draft segment coming up here. Hint for you, Carl. <laughs> but uh, but no, Leary's been good. He's stabilized that right side of the line, especially the right guard spot. I mean, what a big improvement compared to Schofield. Uh, Garcia up and down. He has flashes, but then he has plays where he just gets absolutely uh, screwed over by his own doing. Looks like slow mental processing, just not quick enough to get over. And Barber's been meh. I mean, he's had some good plays, but nothing outstanding. He hasn't flashed the way uh, Paradis and Bowles have outside of him. So overall, the unit gets a C. I I gave Leary a B. Maybe that was being a little bit too harsh, but I'm kind of with you when when you bring in that kind of player and you pay him that kind of money, expect them just to absolutely dominate the guy across from them. And while he's done really well, I, I, I'm i really nitpicking on some of this just because of the money, I think. Same with DT and Sanders. They've been decent wide receivers, but compared to the money, they're not earning it. And Leary, he's he's earning it. I'm not trying to say he hasn't played well, and, and he's been good in pass blocking, he's been good in run blocking, and I just want just a hair bit more because I expect him to be that big-time leader that – like I said earlier with, with Bulls, I, I expected Leary to be that tone setter, the guy that everybody else, right off the bat, he goes and just pancakes somebody, and the rest of the offensive line goes, all right, I got to go match that. And uh, he just hasn't quite been there. The Dallas game, he dominated that Dallas game. It, it was a great revenge game of, hey, this is what you're missing. Good luck out there. <laughs> and their left guard has been terrible this year. He's been such a huge weakness for them and why their run game isn't what it was last year. So they're missing Leary. And and he's been good for the Broncos. But just a hair bit more is what I would hope for. Uh, Garcia, yeah, I gave him a D as well. I just, his run blocking, he flashes like you said, but the inconsistency is just so hard to see because it's when you're trying to establish anything on offense, when you have that one player that every single drive has that one really bad play, it throws the entire offense off. And there's just times where he just gets so blown up in the in the pass game, especially where he's pretty much like getting thrown back into Simeon's lap. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? You're you're a guy with power. <laughs> How can you not anchor better? And it's just because he's like you said, he's a little bit slow in diagnosing, so his feet, his footwork is off, or he's not getting squared up on the block, and he's just he needs to be better if he's going to become the the starter. And and Barber, honestly, I'd rather just see Barber continue to start. Because pass blocking wise, I think he can help Semyon not feel as many ghosts coming at him because he can trust that Barber's going to hold up. And run game, yeah, he's not as good. He's not as powerful. So our run game might take a little bit of hit with him being the starter. 
but I just feel like we'd have a little bit more consistency on offense. I don't know. I, I just, I don't mind the rotation because both of them are, they both have their strengths and weaknesses. So maybe that fourth quarter when we have the lean, the, the lead Garcia being in there to help with the run game is a good idea, but it just, I don't know, a little bit disappointed obviously in that and just not being able to get that position figured out, but it, it, you're always going to have a weakness. Uh, that's just kind of how it is. And for the Broncos, it's left guard, right tackle. But thankfully, they have the other positions that looks like locked up. And I think I really do think this next position or player, Paradis at the center, I think the Broncos maybe should go ahead and give him a long-term contract. I I can't believe how well he's playing, considering he spent the entire offseason rehabbing. He's moving from a zone scheme that he was very good in to now a power scheme. And you and I are both kind of questioning, how does he fit into that scheme? I think he's done great. And I think he's only going to get better as he gets more strength back in his legs. So if he can stay healthy, I think the Broncos should really be looking at this guy to, to extend him. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But I, I just I love what he's doing. He does great with combo blocks. He does a great job of really getting around on a defender to, to really seal off a hole for the running backs up the middle. He just very, very impressive. And I haven't even talked about the pass game. He does really well there as well. Yeah, you are 100% right. He's been very impressive uh, getting to the second level and – I honestly was a little bit worried about him going to the power scheme, especially coming off the hip injuries. And with McGovern playing so well, I was starting to think, hey, maybe Paradis is a guy that LA looks to move or potentially doesn't give a contract to. I mean, if you have a younger guy that can play decently close to the value they're providing for way cheaper, that's normally what you do. But I think Paradis is looking like he's just too valuable. You're going to need to lock him up. And he is playing great in the power scheme i mean i i'm i'm shocked how great he's playing off the get off the gate or off the bat so yeah always sign him and uh let's keep that guy around for a while because he's the best center we've had since nalen well moving on we have the the tight end and let's just put the fullback into this position as well what grade would you give the tight ends right now i would and, give them the fullback i guess i would give them a c plus to b minus uh they're playing better than last year where they were pretty much non-existent. Uh, we saw some flashes finally from AJ Derby, but I'm not going to be uh, use some recency bias here and just judge him off that game because he was struggling before that. Um, he did drop that gimme third down pass as well, which can't have, but he was looking like a decent athlete in the second level, which we have not had at tight end since Julius Thomas, uh, to be frank. Great blocks and uh, helping in the flats and somewhat in the red zone. I think he does have a, a touchdown on a a uh, flat route this year and uh Hireman providing some value blocking um he's in there he's more he's turned into the the odd man out it feels like he's the second blocking tight end Virgil's the better blocker Derby's the better pass catcher so Hireman's the the jack of all trades just not getting out there as much and Jano I mean I don't feel like we're using him totally like we should be I'd like to get him in a fullback pass situation but I mean we did have Derby his first touchdown came out of that fullback slot kind of the uh the old Jacob Tammy mold so We'll see where it goes, but so right now I give him uh, C minus or C plus, C plus. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I I would love to see Jano get a few more opportunities. I think you're gonna run into times where teams are just gonna ignore if he went out into a pass route because they haven't done anything with him so far. And there's just times where you kind of forget about that fullback because you expect him either to be in there because you're running the football or two they're gonna be staying in there to help with pass blocking. And so I think. There's a couple plays in there where he could be a really sneaky option. And I think he's got some open field ability just to go make a big play. 
So I'd like to see them get get him a little bit more involved. We also have, with the run game, I just love when he's in there because it just seems to click a little bit better. And so, yeah, I'd like to see him a little bit more involved, but it is kind of what it is. When when you have all these different weapons, you got to figure out how to get them all involved. And, and the tight end position, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens when Jake Butt gets ready to come back. And I think it's, is it October 30th for the, the first Chiefs game? That he finally gets to come off. Is it is it NFI? I guess is what he's on right now. And yeah, he. I don't know what they're going to do. That, that's going to be an interesting one. I guess it's just going to be how does he practice? What does he look like in practice? Does he start earning some playing time? Because none of these tight ends have done anything to really say, "Hey, I am the man." Everybody else, take a backseat to me. They all have their specialties, like you said, with Derby being the receiver, Green the more blocker, Hireman that number two tight end that. You just kind of, I, I don't know. I feel bad for him because, like you said, he's kind of that good at everything but master of nothing. Uh, good's a that's a stretch a little bit on some of that, but but still, he's he's a decent player. But but he's one of those guys. He could be a game changer, especially in the receiving game, the short receiving game, and that's kind of struggled these last couple of weeks. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what he comes back, what this unit's going to look like, but. It being better than last year, that's a nice plus. It's nice to see some other options beyond DT and Sanders getting involved in the offense. All right, well, before we go any farther, we want to talk to you about our sponsor, MyBookie.net. MyBookie is all about the fun and excitement of making accurate predictions on your favorite teams without having to risk any funds. Site members can make picks against real spreads, lines, and totals for major sports leagues and associations, as well as college sports, and compete for great prizes courtesy of MyBookie. MyBookie.net is the greatest, most professional, and totally free 100% recreational sports prediction service you can find on the web. Instead of the typical head-to-head challenges and handicapping contests, MyBookie goes beyond the basics and offers members a true betting platform that will make users feel like they were in a real betting site. Unlike most betting services, MyBookie.net is a completely free site that allows you to make daily predictions and bets and win real prizes at no cost. MyBookie is not a gambling site or a play-for-money site. It's a free sports wagering website built for millions of sports fans to provide them with a platform to participate in picking games, predicting scores, and compete for free prizes without risking any money. Just like the office pick'em contest in fantasy football, MyBookie brings a deeper enjoyment and excitement to watching our favorite teams compete by increasing the stakes. It's fun, and for no cost for you, you get to make predictions and qualify for free prizes. Again, the service is absolutely free for all users, and we want to say thank you to MyBookie.net for sponsoring the Huddle Up podcast. Let's switch over to the defense where <laughs> sometimes it's almost hard not just to give them all A's because the defense is playing just amazing. Uh, they have their holes. They have their, their weaknesses at some spots. But let's start with the defensive ends. And, and I'll, I'll start, start here. We have Wolf. We have, of course, Gatsis. You've done a piece on Gatsis and, and the improvements that he has shown. And we have Shelby Harris, who has been – Maybe the surprise of the offseason. I had somebody ask me, who is this Shelby Harris? And I said, oh, he's just a camp body. And here he is going and making plays for this team. It's it's amazing to see. You got those three guys as kind of your main, main people. And I, I give him a B plus. And the only reason I don't give him an A is because I haven't seen the pass rush, or at least consistent pass rush. I saw a little bit more this last game. Wolf was really getting involved in the pass rush. He was, you were talking about you wanted a, a Gabe Jackson type guard. Gabe Jackson has struggled this year, and he really struggled against Wolf. It, I mean, he, he still did d- decent, but compared to what he was last year, I think he, he struggled a lot 
and and Wolf just got a nice little push in there. And and didn't he get a sack of the game? Yes, I believe so. Or I know I think Gatsis did as well. Or I think maybe Gatsis didn't get credit, but Shelby Harris did. But there I think we go. did have some interior uh, sacks in this game with Carr stepping up. Yeah. So it was it was nice to see that, and it just needs to continue at a, a greater level because his first three games it was kind of uh, pretty much Von Miller and Shaq Barrett. That was our pass rush, or we had to bring a bring a blitz. That was about the only way we got a pass rush, and so it was just kind of disappointing. Of our run defense is doing so well, our secondary is elite beyond belief, and we can't get enough push in the pass rush like we have in the past couple of years. So uh, I just need to see a little bit more. That's why I gave him a B plus. I mean, there's not really much more to say. Uh, B, B plus. They've been a great job stuffing the run. People were worried about Ward leaving, uh, being a veteran leader in the sec in the locker room. But I mean, I feel like Pecco has taken over that role almost instantly. I mean, he's he's a veteran presence that the team is rallying around. He's said he's reborn in Denver, and I'm I'm all about him. I mean, <laughs> he's who doesn't love that big Samoan? I think there's that big 40 yard run that the Broncos had, uh, where you see C.J. Anderson booking it down the right sideline. And you see this massive man wearing number 94 jumping up and down, celebrating with his hair flowing up and down. <laughs> Pecco actually, I said that on the tweet, and Pecco actually liked it and retweeted it. <laughs> like, respect, man. He's That's like good the, hair. He's like the easiest guy to fi- find on film because you don't have to look for a number. You just look for the hair. You don't even see his name. Yeah. It just his hair covers it up. <laughs> oh, man. He has been a godsend. I, yeah. I would put him he, – he's getting up there to being a top five signing by Elway. It's it's night and day what our run defense is, and he is such a big part of that. It is amazing watching him take on double teams and hold his point of contact and and being able to find the ball. He's got two guys pushing on him, and he still finds a way to go make a play. It's I love it. I love this guy, and I love that Cincinnati fans were so happy to see him go. Yeah, and I was not a big on the signing because I thought he was potentially you know wearing down down the stretch. And boy, I am glad to be extra wrong in this uh, you're talking about improvements as well going from crick to adam gotsis and run defense and even going from ray to shaq barrett i mean just the run defense the ground control as we're going to call it has uh really just taken over so i'm excited about that and i do agree with you though that the the interior pass rush is the thing that's it's lacking right now compared to the 2015 unit they just don't have a guy who's getting in the quarterback as much not pushing the pocket as quickly uh, Wolf doesn't look to be as quick off the snap. I mean, I don't know if that's, you know, injuries adding up, getting older, more snaps, or just the added weight. I mean, all those are a possibility. Not that he's so injured he stinks now. I mean, he's playing great. He's just playing differently than he had in the past. He's just not as quick off the snap or getting around his blocker to get after the quarterback. And we don't have a Malik Jackson third, fourth year level where he was really getting after the quarterback there the last two years of his rookie deal. Uh, I do see potential with Gatsis there, but he's not there yet. I'm not expecting really to see it this year. Normally, the uh, the pass rush stuff is the the last thing to come for those defensive linemen. So hopefully next year he will be that third and fourth year step where we saw with Jackson. But if there's any area where the the Broncos are not letting me down, but that aren't isn't elite on the Broncos defense, it's the interior pass rush. Definitely. Moving on to the inside linebacker position, I have to say I think Todd Davis has actually been better than Brandon Marshall this year. I agree. And he has just been incredible in the run game. And and it's, it's finally showing up. What, what Three coaching staffs, from Fox to Kubiak to now Joseph, have all talked this guy up. And I have sat here and said, I have no clue what they're seeing. And all of a sudden this year I'm going, now I see what they're seeing. 
They're seeing a guy that when he can play downhill, when he can have a little bit of a lane to go make a play, he is going and making a play. And he's a great tackler. He is a guy that's not afraid to to shoot a gap and 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 really go meet the running back in the backfield. That was something we missed last year. Last year it was kind of we wouldn't hit them until they're about forty five four or five yards down the field. Now we're making contact at the line of scrimmage and making them have to kind of dive forward just to maybe get a couple yards. And it, Todd Davis is a big part of that. So I love what I'm seeing from him. He's even shown a little bit better in coverage. I've seen him actually running step for step with guys. He now Marshawn Lynch. I <laughs> running step for step with Marshawn Lynch, probably not the most impressive thing to say because Marshawn Lynch is just slow. But I've seen him a couple times with tight ends where he's been running with them as well. So I, I, Brandon Marshall is the one that's kind of disappointed me. I need to see him step up, especially in coverage. He's just given up a lot of lot of catches and just hasn't really shined in the run game either. Yeah, Todd Davis, it's unfortunate that he's finally flashing and he's going to be a unrestricted free agent this offseason. So I'm that's a major bummer. He's playing more of that strong inside linebacker role where he's coming down and filling gaps and reading off the blocks. And he's doing a phenomenal job. He looks quicker this year. He's processing quicker. And he's showing a little bit better in pass coverage. I mean, he's never going to be Luke Keekley, Ryan Shazier, uh, Danny Trevathan type of coverage linebacker where they can move and stick in that linebacker or stick in that tight end slash running back's hip. But the fact that he's not being a complete liability in coverage is good enough. I mean, that's, you know, he's not a perfect player. That just is what it is. There's only so many three down linebackers in the NFL. Broncos can't be all pro at every single position. So he's been impressive and I give him a solid B. Brandon Marshall has been a little bit more disappointing. I think that him going from that, Strong side linebacker position with Danny next to him to more of the uh, the weak side where he's asked to cover more is exposing him a little bit. He's just not the the quick twitch athlete that Trevathan was. So when you isolate him against a good receiving running back uh, or a tight end, he's a little bit more vulnerable there. But still, we're we're nitpicking overall. Both of them have been pretty good, especially in the run game. They're filling gaps and coming down and processing well and communicating as, as good as ever. So I'll give them a, a solid B, B plus. And um, again, good unit. And uh, Broncos defense is stacked. It's, it's crazy. There's If we were making a perfect defense, if the only things I could say that I would do to make this defense elite would be to get a three-down linebacker that can cover and play the run equally well and then have a uh, interior defensive line who can play all three downs, like a Clayus Campbell type who almost signed with us, which would have been unbelievable. I can't. I, I, I lay awake at night thinking about what this defense would look like with Clayus Campbell. I'm not even you, and, and this is just torturous if, if Bronco fans haven't watched this. Did you watch the video of his decision? Like I said, I will lay awake at night okay. thinking about what could so, have been. So you did watch it then? Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. It, yeah, it is – it is so crazy how close it was. It, it's kind of one of those, if if they had asked him like 10 minutes earlier that he had to make the decision, he might have picked the Broncos. That I mean, that's how close it was. It was just a matter of timing of what, where his mind was at in that moment. Oh, man. Yeah, that would be they're awesome. Still great. They're still playing great. So yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's true. That's bad. true. That's just, we're, we're too greedy. Yeah. <laughs> Way really too greedy. We, we, we want that Madden defense that just held, holds everybody to zero points and just dominates people. But um, they're, yeah, they're, they're a dominant defense. 
I've heard people even comparing them to that 2015 defense now because of just how great this, how dominant this run defense has been. So they're, they're up there. They're impressing a lot of people more than the people thought they would. And that kind of leads us to our next group here, the, the outside linebackers. And your boy, you've been pounding the table for this guy for quite a while, saying that he is better than Shane Ray, should be the guy that's starting. And because of Shane Ray's injury, he is starting. And I think he's earned to stay the starter. Doesn't mean he'll get as many snaps as when, when Shane Ray comes back. But Shaq Barrett, very impressive guy. What do you think about this outside linebacker group? I would give the starting two A's and the backup two D's. There's a big drop-off after Von Miller and Shaq Barrett. I mean, Von Miller's getting a lot of the attention. Shaq's getting some one-on-ones. But Shaq is going up against pretty damn good left tackles. He had his fair amount of wins against Tyron Smith. He had wins uh, against Donald Penn. He didn't quite get there, uh, but he was getting after the quarterback there. And that was exciting to see. I, I am a Shane Ray fan. I like Shane Ray, but I think Shaq should be the starter because he just is so, so much more effective in setting the edge and disrupting plays as a run defender. So have him in there in the, the base three, four and the obvious rundowns and then unleash Shane Ray and more of those passing sets where he's, he's more quick twitch, uh, more bendy uh, than Shaq Barrett is. So, but yeah, I, I'm, Totally agree. Shaq Barrett, honestly, is just he's playing amazing. And he's another guy who's going to be a restricted free agent this offseason where I don't I don't think you're going to be able to sign him and Matt Paradis. So fudge like what? Gosh, darn it. It's not the, it makes me so sad because Shaq has been playing so great. And once Ray comes back and you're moving in Von Miller, Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray, all three of them at the same time. I mean, I'm just I'm frothing at the mouth thinking about it. And I love, and this is where it is so good that we have our, our bye week when we do, and when we have our Monday night football game when we do, because we get Shane Ray back early. That is such an amazing blessing for this team. Because like you said, when you have those three guys on the field, or you have all three of them rested, because you can rotate them, oh my goodness. Offensive tackles and offensive coaches are going to be laying up, they're going to be staying awake at night just thinking of these three guys, and how in the world do we stop them? And yeah, once we get that depth, oh my goodness, <laughs> this defense can go to a whole nother level. That's, that's what's crazy. They're not even fully, they're not at a full level yet. They're, they're still learning. And, and we're going to get into this next group that especially is still learning and, and the secondary because there's some young people, especially at the safety position. And oh man, I, I just can't imagine when we get to, if they stay healthy, that, that's kind of a key thing. They have to stay healthy. But if they can stay healthy, this unit, when we get to week 12, 13, 14, teams are going to be afraid to play them. There's just not going to be a lot of weaknesses. And there's not a lot of weaknesses now. But let's get to the cornerback and safety group here. And because this has kind of been the group that, not that I've been disappointed, but just they've kind of been the play elite level at one point, and then the next moment all of a sudden they're giving up the big play. And I think a big part of that is the safety communication when you have Will Parks and Justin Simmons. I don't think they're communicating well yet. So it's still something they're, they're having to work on. But let's start with the cornerbacks. And I maybe was a little bit harsh here with my grade of a solid B. I, there's just been a few times, especially that Bills game, I was not very impressed with Chris Harris. There was a couple times where he was really not faked out, but he just looked slow. I don't know what was going on there. 
he just wasn't staying up with his guy and was giving up some big catches and guys were running wide open. And, and maybe that was more on the safeties than it was the cornerbacks. And, and this is just, again, this is such nitpicking when I have such high expectations of this cornerback group to be the most elite of the elite. And, and they're still playing at such a great level, but just not, not to that quite level that I expect, I guess. And so that's why I give them a solid B and it's, it's maybe a little bit too harsh, but I don't know. That, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, I gave him an A minus. Uh, Roby kind of struggled in week one against the Chargers, and Chris Harris had some trouble with Jordan Matthews of the Bills, especially when Tyrod Taylor was able to escape. But overall, they've played great. Um, I think the reason that the the uh, ground control has emerged is because the Broncos are able to sell out a little bit more and stop the runs against these really good running backs, and they're able to do that because they have three man corners who can pretty much blanket their guys. I mean, they are going to give up some, especially if the quarterback has a little bit of time, but because of these three cornerbacks and good safeties behind them, especially with some developing that allows you to do so much up front with that front seven. So I'm going to give them an a minus not, not perfect play. I would like to see a little bit more turnovers, especially we haven't had a uh, turnover from the cornerback since week two. Uh, granted that's, that's probably normal. I'm again, a little bit higher expectations for the no fly zone, but Good unit, and I think that with the new defensive coordinator, new defensive back coach, and just new signals and getting more chemistry together, and I think that this can, I think that this group can elevate to a even higher level, especially with more third down and longs, and uh, hopefully a little bit better pass rush, pass rush when Jane Ray comes back too. Exactly, and, and that kind of leads us here to the safety group. You were talking about the the communication problems and. I'm trying to remember which game it was. I think it was the Chargers game where Chris Harris, it looked like he got beat by uh, by a Chargers wide receiver for a touchdown. Yes. And he looked right at Justin Simmons and was kind of like, where were you? And, and I think Simmons was supposed to have that inside coverage where Harris had, the, had more of the fade route covered. And Justin Simmons kind of bit inside on another route and it just left a player wide open. And so that one, I know it'll probably be credited against Chris Harris, but I think that one was more on Justin Simmons. And, and just the, there's been a couple of those. We saw they had deep quarters a couple different times where they've given up big plays where somebody didn't know that they had that quarter. Chargers had one. Raiders had one. That was the one big play. And, and that's the problem. When our offense isn't a top-level offense, They've had their moments, but they're not a top-level offense. Let's just be honest about that. When they are not that top-level offense, one big play can completely turn the, the game. Without that one big miscommunication, Broncos have a double-digit win. And I know there's other things that played into that of missed field goal, missed other opportunities. Just There was other things. I understand that. But still, that one big play given up on defense, that <laughs> that played a big part in why that game was still close. So just some things they need to clean up, and I think they will. They're, the talent is there. Will Parks, he's shown better than I thought he would. And Justin Simmons, he's starting to see the game is slowing down and his athleticism can really show up. That's where we saw that big play there at the end. That's, that's what happens when you can just start playing fast. Yeah, I am. you didn't even touch on Darian Stewart, who is, I mean, he did get beat on that big one, but he's playing great football. Uh, honestly, he gave up that big touchdown, but his presence and his physicality over the middle 
is a reason that the Broncos game didn't go to 16 to 14 because Jared Cook had that wide open pass and Darian Stewart was coming down to tattoo him and Cook saw him coming and dropped the ball. So Darian Stewart, um, once that communication starts to get better with those new guys in there, I think that this unit has the potential to be outstanding. Um, I think we are more athletic in the back end than we, we've ever been. TJ Ward's more of a coming downhill physical presence, but he's, he's not the athlete. He's not the athlete that Simmons is. I mean, not, not anymore, not, right. not last year. And I'm, I'm really excited about this unit. I love that. I feel like last week we would put Justin Simmons in better positions. Justin Simmons was playing in that second to like second and a half level of the defense too much. And he's more of a, a back end guy. I think that you, I would rather have Simmons be that free safety with Stewart, that strong safety. They both can do both. I mean, they both can rotate depending on the formation and how guys are motioned. But I'm glad to see Simmons playing a little farther back and Stewart being a little more physical closer and Parks getting in on more plays as that, uh, that dimebacker, which is quickly becoming one of my favorite positions on defense. And uh, Jamal Carter, I think he, he made some contributions in special teams. He did have a penalty, but he also had a big block. So I'm, I'm excited about this secondary, the – the safety is going forward, and uh, this defense is the chance to be special. I mean, it, it already looks pretty special, and if we can get more and more from that, the, the safety is communicating together. Uh, Park's playing a little bit better in that dimebacker role in his man coverage and uh, start to get a little bit of their pass rush up front. They're going to sign me at quarterback. I think we can win some games. Like, that's, that's how good the defense looks. I like it. I'll take it. Let's move on to our, our final two little positions. Well, they're not really positions, I guess. One of them is a position. One of them is coaching staff. But kicker and punter. And <laughs> McManus, oh, boy, that's been ugly. And right after the guy gets paid, I think he's just pushing a little bit too hard, and you miss that one, and then you got to try that much harder to make the next one. And it's just it's not been pretty. He's got to take this bye week, go get his mind right, and come back being the McManus that we know from the years before. Just a, a, one of the more disappointing players for the first quarter of the season, for sure. And, and Dixon, I gave him a B plus. He's had some really nice punts to kind of pin teams back. He's had a couple go off the, the side of his foot too, though. So not perfect, but, but he's showing that he's still a really good punter in this league. Yeah, I gave McManus a D as well. Same reason as you. Got paid, needs to, needs to step it up. And I gave Dixon a C, probably a C plus. And like you, yeah, he's had a couple shanks, not perfect. And uh, coverage has been good though. Um, last week, the Raiders had a couple where they were pinned in five yards from their own end zone. So overall special teams has been pretty good and coaching. I'm going to give it a to be determined. I need to see how the team does in some road games before I can talk about the coaching overall though. It's an improvement from last year, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to cop out. I'm not going to give them a total grade yet. <laughs> I, I'm going to give them a B, B plus. Just one, they had a lot of things to handle. Whole new coaching staff, a lot of rookie guys coming in with Olivo and, and Woods and, and Joseph really being in their positions for the very first time. I thought they've handled things pretty well. They have a lot of personalities in this locker room. They've handled the whole national anthem thing to kind of get the team back on track and, and focused again, the quarterback controversy during the off season, they, they've just had a lot thrown at them 
for being such a new coaching staff. And, and so I've been impressed with just how they've handled all the off the field stuff. But the in-game decisions, there's been a couple of them that just make me go, what in the world are you doing? Joseph, he's already said he made a huge mistake on that call right before halftime where he called a timeout after the other team had gained eight yards. And, and he realized he didn't realize how far they'd gotten. He didn't, he thought they only gained like three or four yards. And so just things like that, you got to know exactly what's going on every single moment of the game. And because those kind of things, a field goal there. Yes. The game was, was way out of hand against those Cowboys Broncos blew them out, but there are going to be games where those kind of decisions make, make or break the game. Andy Reed ask chief fans, <laughs> Some of his in-game decisions have decided games, not in their favor. So just just some little things. And that's going to happen with a rookie coach. He's got to learn all those kind of things. That, those are things that you never do as a coordinator, never do as a positional coach. So I, he'll get better at it. But I just think as a, kind of the general of the team, I think he's done really well. He's handled the media well. And I just I like this coaching staff. I like what I'm seeing from them. They're playing fast. They got their guys ready. And there's just an energy that's there that wasn't there the year before. So good for them. So before we uh, we run in a little bit long because Carl and I are always winning bags, and we just wanted to touch on some of the potential free agents that we have next offseason. Our list of unrestricted free agents includes recently traded for Alan Barber, the guard, Jamal Charles, uh, Jared Crick, defensive lineman who's uh, on IR with a back injury, Todd Davis, who we've discussed, Virgil Green, Cody Latimer, who has been banged up but had a decent season so far, especially in special teams, Brock Osweiler, Corey Nelson, Billy Turner, and Billy Wynn. Uh, Carl, do you see us re-signing any of those guys or at least attempting to re-sign any of those guys? Todd Davis is the one guy that sticks out, and I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the year. He would have been the guy I'm going, let's let's replace this guy. But now he seems to be that one big name that I'm going, man, <laughs> if we can maybe get him back at a decent contract, it'd be worth it because he fits what we're trying to do on defense well. He knows this defense well. And he and Brandon Marshall, like you said earlier, are getting some nice communication. I just, I see him being that guy. Jamal Charles sticks out, but I just, <sighs> I don't know how much more beyond this year that I would trust him to, to be a playmaker. So he, he's a great name. I love what Jamal Charles is doing for this team. And I love that he's making plays for the Broncos when Chiefs fans said that he was washed up. Raiders fans said he was washed up. And here he is making plays for the Broncos. But Todd Davis, I, I'd maybe see that being the one guy they target. I would love to bring back Todd Davis, but I think he is going to play himself out of Denver's range. He is playing great. There is some need for good defensive play, especially against the run. And everyone's going to want a piece of the Broncos' defensive magic. That's just what happens when you have a great unit like this. People think that if they sign one of those players, maybe they can get some of that glory. doesn't normally work out that way. But I think Todd Davis is playing himself into a big contract, and I think that he's probably going to walk. I don't see the Broncos paying Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis large contracts. Now, that said, I could see Elway being frugal and maybe getting Corey Nelson on a cheap two-year deal, at least offering the Broncos some depth at the position and offering Corey Nelson a chance to start. It would be probably a step down from Corey Davis, but that would at least leave the team not completely vulnerable at the linebacker position where they would, I believe, would just have Brandon Marshall. They might also have Zaire Anderson, um, but don't quote me on that. But yeah, uh, moving on, the restricted free agents, much bigger names here, in my opinion, uh, much more integral parts for the team. We have uh, Shaq Barrett, Shelby Harris, Benny Fowler, and Matt Paradis. And in my opinion, all four of these guys are playing well enough that they will be brought back uh, 
put second round tenders on all of them. Maybe even a first round tender on Barrett or Paradis. I'm not sure. I think you can only place one first round tender. Really? Uh, okay. I, I think that. Well, then you got to do it on Barrett then. Yeah. Outside linebacker is much more important than center. Yeah. And that said, I think that we talked about earlier. I think now is the time, at least uh, once the offseason hits, time to offer Paradis a contract, stabilize that offensive line. He made a commitment um, to the offensive line, and he's played great. You don't have Shane Ray type of player, that level of investment behind Paradis. So you, are you in agreement, all these guys back and offering one of them at least a contract? Oh, easily. They're, they're all either great depth players or great starters. Matt Paradis playing great. Shaq Barrett, great starter. Shelby Harris getting some pressure. He's one of the interior guys that's actually getting pressure. Like we said earlier, Fowler's maybe impressing us the most at the wide receiver position. I, I just, unless there's an injury that makes the Broncos go, oh, we just can't do this anymore. Yeah, all four of these guys will be back with the team. And finally, the exclusive rights free agents. Uh, Tyreek Jarrett's one who's listed. I'm not sure exactly about that. Um, he was brought up on the roster and then sent back down. So maybe because he was put back on the practice squad, he'd be in exclusive rights. Uh, I'm not sure the exact detail. I'm not a... I do, I do dabble a little bit in the cap, but I do not have a master's degree in capology. Uh, long snapper Casey Kreider and uh, wide receiver Jordan Taylor. And I think I would bring back all these guys as well. And finally, notable free agents from other teams. We got some potentially some pretty big-name quarterbacks on the market. Drew Brees is one who's been tossed around. Uh, Kirk Cousins, Sam Bradford, or Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe both, I don't know. And uh, maybe even Rivers. I don't know if you saw him have that tangent with the, the coaches this week, but I feel like that... Rivers is uh, on his way out in Los Angeles. The, the Chargers are going to be bringing in a uh, stinking like this pretty early in the draft. Um, other than that, you have offensive tackle Nate Soldier, Soldier from New England, Jimmy Graham, Alshon Jeffrey, Don Terry Poe, Benny Logan, who's a nose tackle for the Chiefs, Kyle Williams, those guys we've discussed on here, Greg Robinson, Luke Jokel, Kevin Minter, Trey Turner's a really good guard for the Panthers, Terrell Pryor had that great touchdown yesterday, Ezekiel Ansa, Fontes Berfeek, Tyler Eifert, Thomas Davis, uh, Allen Robinson, and Jordan Matthews. So there's some there's some decent names that are going to be on the market. Do you see the Broncos um, using any of their – right now it's currently projected $34 million in cap, but that'll obviously change based on guys hitting qualifiers, uh, the fifth-year option for Shane Ray, I'm assuming, and uh, other things as well. But is anybody on the free agency market catching your eye that you think a guy that you might go after? This, this kind of gets into to my draft conversation a little bit. And some of it really depends on how Simeon plays the rest of the year. If he doesn't really wow the coaches and show that he is the future, I could see because there were some teams that were very interested in him and were offering up not a great draft pick, but a decent draft pick. And if he has another decent year of starting, I think you can get maybe that third round pick from somebody, maybe even higher because it is a quarterback. I I don't know. We'll we'll kind of have to cross that road to see how he finishes the year, but I could maybe see the Broncos going after quarterback Drew Brees. He's going to want to do like Peyton Manning and how John Elway closed out his year. He's going to want to go to a great team. And what better than go from one of the worst defenses to the best defense in football? I mean, <laughs> can you imagine him being able to play in games where all he has to do on offense is score 11 points like we saw against the Raiders? He I think he'd go for that. that. But yeah, I think so. And I think he'd maybe be willing to take just a little bit of discount to get that opportunity. 
because I think he's tired of playing for losing teams and having to do so much to try to win it for his team. So I, I could see him just being a great fit with this team, just depending on the cost. And then if you can trade Trevor Simeon, get a nice draft pick or trade Paxton Lynch or, or whatever. I'm, I'm not just saying it's Trevor Simeon. Paxton Lynch could be a part of that too. And maybe you keep Trevor Simeon as depth guy and, and hope that maybe he can still develop and, and become that guy. But I, uh, I don't know. I, and Rivers keeps jumping out at me too, because I think he would love to come to Denver. I, that would I think be so fun. <laughs> it would. It would be so much fun. But I, I think his time in San, not well. His time I, in San Diego is done. Yeah, right. his time in San Diego. Well, and, and it, it, they might be going back to San Diego. There's been rumors about that. I don't know what's all going on. I know. I know the NFL came out and said no, we're not looking into that. But when you can't fill a, a soccer stadium because nobody wants to come watch the LA chargers, the own four LA chargers. Yeah. It, it, Rivers is probably done there. They're going to be going to a rookie. They're going to be looking to make some changes. So man, either of those guys, Drew Brees, Rivers, if those guys are hitting the open market, that would be, that'd be hard for the Broncos to pass up. Even if Trevor Simeon plays pretty good to get that kind of quarterback to come in. Oh my goodness. That would be a game changer. It makes the Broncos pretty much Super Bowl favorites the second those guys step on the field for the Broncos. So that, that's kind of where I'm looking at a little bit. And then, like I said, that'll play into my draft. And we'll get to that here in just a second. But any other guys step out to you? Um, it would be cool to bring Nate Soldier back to Colorado, play some right tackle. But I feel like he is regressing and he is still going to be decently expensive. So uh, honestly, if it were my choice, I would be using that money to re-up Paradis and Barrett if I could. Uh, but I mean, maybe even saving some money for a capital over next year. I don't know, but none of these names besides the quarterbacks really step out at me. Maybe Tyler Eifert would want to come in on a cheap, uh, prove a deal. Cause he's had some health, if, health issues and the Broncos really could use a tight end one that plays like Eifert when he's healthy. But other than that, meh, not, not really yeah. much there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, let's, let's get to our, our final section here today. And I had to laugh all day because, I mean, this was, was almost causing you like physical pain trying to figure out who to pick for your draft. Oh, my gosh, Carl. Because you, you just you love this to be perfect. You love to find those guys that just you're like, oh, my gosh, this is this is perfect. This is exactly what the Broncos need. It fits perfect with with value and, and need both. And and uh, I know you were struggling with this today. So I, I guess we just want to go kind of each round and say who we picked and why we picked them. Yeah, let's do that. I won't lie to you. I changed one of the picks while we've been recording this podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anything less from you. Oh, my gosh. It's, but the, I, the thing is, the, uh, before we get into this, the thing is, the Broncos, outside of quarterback, don't really have a too obvious of a need. Right tackle has been an issue. Yes, they are going to need an inside linebacker. Yes, left guard hasn't been great. Yes, but I mean, I'm not, you also have to line up value. I mean, is there going to be a right tackle, a, a pure right tackle that's worth a first round pick, at least where the Broncos are drafting? I mean, maybe. Is, am I taking a guard in the first round? I'm not taking a guard in the first round, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> and is there going to be a linebacker in the first round, an off-ball linebacker that's worth it? I mean, maybe at this point, but I'm not far enough in my evaluation to say yes or no, although... One of my favorite off-ball linebackers is starting to get some hype, so we'll talk about him here in a second. But yeah, let's let's. It just it was it was frust- it was frustrating for me because I'm looking for specific niche players and value in areas where they make sense value-wise. But also, I 
try to base it on what I think Elway would do. So it's a lot of back and forth. It's a, it's like the constitution. It's a, it's a breathing document. A mock draft is a living thing. It's always changing. So yeah. let's get, well, let's get the first pick. It really is so hard because some of these players are underclassmen. Yeah. There's no guarantee that they're actually going to come out. So we could be saying names that you're going, Oh man, that guy's not even in the draft. What are they talking about? So th- that, that's what makes it hard too. But we're early in the year. This is just fun things to do. We love talking drafts. So I'll start with mine. And I knew as soon as I wrote this name down, you would disagree with this because it's not one of the, the key positions. And I kept looking for a guy at the key position. And I kept going, man, there's just nobody that sits here and says, we got to take this guy. And, and I'm kind of basing this on we're going to be picking in that maybe like 25, 27 range, somewhere in there. And, and my guy that I picked was Quentin Nelson, offensive guard from Notre Dame. And I went with him just because the only way that you go beyond the top four or five positions is if you think you have a Pro Bowl player right off the bat. And I think you plug in Quentin Nelson in that left guard spot or you move Leary over, whichever you want to do. I would say you're probably just going to leave Leary at the right guard position because he's getting used to it anyway. And Quentin Nelson is used to the left guard spot. But man, this guy is, he is a force. I, <laughs> I've never seen this before. I found on YouTube today, just because I was wanting to watch some more Quentin Nelson, just to make sure that I wanted to go ahead with this pick. They had a 2016 highlight video of an offensive guard. Guess how long it was? Uh, eight minutes. Over 10 minutes long. Wow. Of just blocks of him just destroying people. I, a whole season. He, he's got just one se- I mean, that's just one season. He's had other seasons where he did the exact same thing. And, and he's great in the past, too. It's not just that he's a great run blocker. He's great in the past, too. And so that's why I just feel like he's one of those guys you can plug into that offensive guard spot and barring any injuries, he's going to be your starter for the next 10, 12 years. I'm going to feel comfortable saying that and, and not sitting here. I just don't see him being a bust. I see him being that quality starter for you. And if we can have bulls left tackle, Nelson left guard, Paradis center, Leary right guard. And those guys are going to be here for the next four or five years together. And so you got the whole four side, four, four guys in a row all figured out. And so then maybe you can give that offensive tackle some help on the right tackle. I I don't know. I just, I really like that idea of just securing those front four guys and really becoming what the Raiders were last year. I mean, that's what we would be. I think if we got Nelson. Yeah, Carl. I mean, I like the guard. I like Nelson, but I just feel like you can find a, a guard second day, day two, that's going to offer similar value. And I just, I I feel guilty using that fifth year option on a player that's a guard just because you're not going to get the most value out of it. And also I feel like that potentially gives up on McGovern. And because, I mean, we're talking about giving parodies an extension, but McGovern's shown well enough that I think he is going to get a shot. I like Nelson a lot. Don't get me wrong. I love what he's done on tape. And I actually took his counterpart Mike McGlinchey. Now, there's some debate on if McGlinchey will be there or not when the Broncos are picking. Some people have had him as a top five pick. My big board, I like him, but I do not think that he is a top 10 level player. I think he is best suited at right tackle in the NFL. He struggles somewhat with bendier, quicker pass rushers. Uh, If you watched his game against Georgia, both Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter, who are very talented edge players for that Georgia defense, which is one of the tops in the uh, in all of college football, he struggled tremendously against them, um, and he just he doesn't look like he has the foot speed that you want at that left tackle position. 
but you put him over at right tackle and we are talking very, very talented right tackle. He played right tackle at a high level uh, two years ago when Ronnie Stanley was playing left tackle for the fighting Irish. And I think if you can get that bookends of uh, Garrett Bowles and McGlinchey that you are set at those two positions for the next five years. And see the, the, I would have taken McGlinchey if I thought he was still going to be there, I guess. Yeah. See, if, he, if I, he's not there, I'm not going there. I'm, I don't like Orlando Brown enough. Hyatt and Adams are left tackles only. I don't think they have the strength you want for the right tackle position. Right. Uh, but in my evaluation, I think that McGlinchey is going to fall a little bit. I think he's going to fall to that 20 to 25 range. Personally. Okay. And, and if he does, like I said, I, I would take him over Nelson because getting that right tackle position secured, especially in the AFC West, is such an important position, but because I had him gone because he is, I'm with you. He's that one guy that I'm going, I could see him being that right tackle. He has left tackle, say bulls got injured that he could move over and, and, and do okay. And you and I both agree. We kind of like those guys that can play both because getting those guys that are just one side. It just kind of limits your options. And that's why I love bulls because I think if they needed to, they can move them over to that right tackle position if they had to find a guy that was just left tackle quality and Bulls would do great at the right tackle spot. And, and really in the AFC West, I almost put more value on the right tackle spot than I do the left tackle just because of the quality of players that they're going up against every single week. It's close. I, I don't know. It's hard because of the blind side side of things, but I don't know. Since I had McGlinchey gone, I went Nelson and I just, like I said, I like the four guys right in a row. I know offensive guard, not a very important position, but I just I would love that run offense right there. I, I just imagine us running behind Nelson <laughs> and him just throwing guys five yards back. Oh, sounds good. But with bulls. Yeah, with bulls next to him too. But moving on here, we have second round pick. I'll let you go first this time. I know we're windbags, but before that I I was uh debating going tackle in the second round. I also like Chukwuma Chukuma for from Western Michigan, solid player, uh, not the heaviest hands. I think he's a better fit as a zone tackle. And in the first round, I really like Jair Alexander as well, cornerback from uh, Louisville. You can never have enough cornerbacks, and with the potential uh, walking of Roby here soon or maybe Tlaib moving on, I really want to keep depth in the cornerback group. I want three lockdown corners. So that's an area I went as well, but in the end I decided on McGlinchey. But if McGlinchey's not there, and I'm assuming Connor Williams either is not there or doesn't come out, I'm not really loving Adams. I'm not loving Brown. I'm not loving Hyatt in that position. But anyway, second round pick. This is the one I debated on the most, but I don't know. I just, I love this guy's tape. And he was my second round pick. I honestly kept, I did a mock draft to begin the season. I had the same two first round picks. And I have Tremaine Edmonds, the off-ball linebacker from Virginia Tech here. And I am just, I'm in love with the skill set. Tremaine Edmonds, a Virginia Tech linebacker, 6'5", 250 pounds, uh, so strong at the point of attack. Sometimes they play him at uh, on the line of scrimmage as well in a uh, under a four three under look, and he's great diagnosis. Can has the athleticism to play sideline to sideline. Is long enough and smooth enough that he can play some coverage. He's not the most twitched up guy in terms of running in a guy's hip, but because of his length, he is got a huge advantage going up against. Well, not advantage, but he he, he can hold his own against tight ends with size and. Uh, linebackers because he has a large, large radius. And I think that this is a guy who, when we're talking combine, 
I think he's probably going to elevate himself to a first-round level pick. But for now, I'm seeing enough people have him round two, round three, round four, round five that I'm going to select him here in the second pick. Not a bad pick. And and my second-round pick, this is the one I told you that I <laughs> when I did this mock draft, it was actually my first pick that I made. It was the the one that I just felt the most secure, and I, this is the guy I want. And and part of this is is because I view us getting that Drew Brees or Philip Rivers. And if that happens, I have a hard time seeing us keep Trevor Simeon. I think he has trade value. And it just, by the time then, that he would maybe be useful when one of those two guys would, would, would retire, his contract would already be up. And so I just see the Broncos trading him if that would happen. But that's why I went with the next guy at Northwestern, Clayton Thorson, quarterback. And I, I've watched one game. I need to watch his really bad game against Duke just to see what happened you and I, you had asked me that question earlier and I haven't had a chance to watch that game, but just from a, a skill set of what you're looking for in a quarterback, I, I really like this guy. I've, I've heard he's very, very smart. They think his draft stock is going to skyrocket when he gets into interviews with teams because they're just going to be so impressed with his football knowledge. But I love watching him. He, I, I love seeing the growth because I watched his first year and there were times where he pretty much just stared down his receiver and safeties were able to read him. Linebackers were able to read him. And now you're starting to see him move guys with his eyes. And that's, that's pro level kind of work as a quarterback. And so I love it. I love that he's worked under center. He's done well from the shotgun. He's a big bodied guy. So he can shake guys off. I've seen him extend plays left and right. I've seen them where they love to run him up the middle because he's so strong and he's got, He's got a rocket arm. That's part of his problem is he doesn't have touch yet. I, I watched him one play where he was kind of running out of the pocket to the right, and he had a, a running back running about five yards in front of him, and he just rockets it at the guy. And I'm just like, what in the world? You know, it's just a nice little, it, just a nice little flip, and it would have been just fine. But no, he had to, to rocket it at the guy's head, and it was dropped. And I don't blame that on the running back. I blame it on the quarterback for not understanding the situation. So some things he needs to work on, but he would have time to develop. He'd have that year or two where we'd have Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers or whoever, and and he can really develop that skill set, learn from a great quarterback, and then step in and be that next 10, 12-year quarterback for the Broncos. Wow, so you're giving up on Paxton Lynch. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, no, I'm just busting your balls. I know. I like- I know. Well, it's, it's, it's hard for me right now just to see. I don't know. it. Maybe they try to do the same thing instead of with Clayton Thorson. They try to do a Paxton Lynch learning from one of those guys. But I, I just feel like there's maybe that little bit of a reset button that might be happening there at the quarterback position. It's possible. New new coaches, new scheme, new people wanting to bring in their own guys. I like Clayton Thorson. I noticed him. Uh, I made a post in one of the groups that I'm in and on Twitter it's saying that this guy's the best quarterback prospect in the Big Ten by a big Big margin, has NFL tools, got some wheels to him, can throw to all levels of the field. Not super consistent in those uh, more big boy throws outside the hash marks, but getting better. And uh, I, I'm excited to watch him. I, I'm not sure he will come out this year just because, I don't know, I feel like this is a pretty decent quarterback class. And from what I've seen, he still has some inconsistencies. Watched his game against Wisconsin this, uh, this Saturday, and he was inconsistent in that game as well. But definitely has the tools so i'm 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 about it i think he's he's definitely a guy who could develop into a franchise quarterback so what is your third round pick carl well 
I think you and I are both, we're both including a comp pick here. And so yes. we have two third round picks. And so I, I started with Zachary Crabtree, offensive tackle. He's a right tackle for Oklahoma State. And then Matthew Thomas, and well, he plays outside linebacker in Florida State. He'd play inside linebacker for the Broncos. And and here here's my thoughts. Zachary Crabtree, he's he's got a very good pass blocking skill set. He's not your road block, he's not your road grader for a right tackle, but he has very, very good skill set. He reminds me a lot of Ricky Wagner, actually. Mm-hmm. And you know I was pounding the table for us to get Ricky, Ricky Wagner this offseason. And I just I wanted that security of knowing that we have both sides protected on the quarterback. And so I, I just I like his skill set. It's not the best in the world, but for a third round pick, a guy that I think you can really develop and and especially when you pair him with I, I, this is what I love about our new coaching staff. I think they've done a great job of teaching guys. I Bulls, I heard he was getting blown out early on at camp and just got better and better and better. He learned more and more. And you know, defensive line guys like Gotsis, how much he's improved from one year to the next. So I really trust this coaching staff to take a guy like this and really work with his athletic skill set and teach him how to be better. And then Matthew Thomas for Florida State, I just I don't think he's quite arrived. I think he has first round potential, but he's not quite there. He, he's just a little bit late in diagnosing. He. Uh, I'm trying to remember who he reminds me of, but he, he's got he's got speed, he's got power, he has some decent coverage skills from what I saw. He's sometimes a little bit slow when they try to do double moves on him, but I don't know. I, he's just more that athletic outside linebacker or inside linebacker, what do you ever want to – off-ball linebacker. There we go. That's what we'll call him. And he has some skill set to come downhill too and go be a pass rusher. So I don't know. That, that, that's kind of my guy for for replacing Todd Davis if he leaves. And my third round picks are with the first one. I have one of my favorite tight end prospects in this year's class in Hayden Hurst. Carl, I was setting up the YouTube. Uh, that's how we record our podcast. And I was watching some Hayden Hurst versus Texas A&M. And he had six catches for about 70 yards. And gosh, this guy, I mean, he's, he's really just a smooth operator. He's a strong hands catcher. He moves well in space, 6'5", 250. And he blocks really well. Uh, they don't really use him as the the along-the-line tight end. A lot of times they'll have him shifted a little bit farther back from the tackle so they can put him in motion. When they do line him up, he moves pretty well as a blocker. He actually took that edge rusher and looked like a tackle on a few of those plays with that kick slide. I was impressed that way, and he does a good job uh, getting the linebackers in the second level, targeting them, and then blocking them out of the play. Uh, he is, if he wasn't older, I think he would potentially be a first-round pick. He still might be a first-round pick. That's how impressed I am with him as an athlete. I uh, actually looked at a few mock drafts today, and they there was one of them that they had him mocked to us in the first round. Wow. Yeah, I mean – And it, it shocked me. <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, gosh. I, I didn't quite think he'd be that high. But, yeah, yeah he's, he's a very talented player. Yeah, I agree. And one reason I have him a little bit lower is because his age. Uh, he spent a few years in minor league baseball. And he hasn't been a super big producer while at Texas or at, while at South Carolina, but I am a big fan of him. We need uh, a better weapon over the middle. Derby did flash this week, but not consistent enough for me to say that that seam threat level tight end is not a a want in the offense. So for right now, I have Hayden Hurst, a tight end for South Carolina, who's somebody I think that's going to rise up boards because he has a good quarterback. He plays in a 
tough conference and he is a great dynamic athlete. I'll send you those. Uh, I'll send you some more of those videos tomorrow. <laughs> uh, third round comp pick. I have Contavious street, Contavious street from North Carolina, six foot two, six foot three, 290 pounds. They have him play mostly a strong side defensive end opposite of Bradley Chubb. But this is a guy that I want to see at three, four and five tech. He is just extremely explosive off the snap. Very, very strong. And I think this is a guy who is going to shock people at the combine. They had a, I don't remember who it was. I believe it was Bruce Feldman had a list of college football's biggest freaks entering this college football season. And Contavious Street was the number three freak. And he is athletic enough where he can get home as an edge rusher. But with how he pops, the strength that he engages with, and his ability to uh, use swim moves and rip moves to get off. He's not really so much a bender on the edge. He is flexible enough, especially for an interior guy, but he's not really a super bendy guy, especially, well, nor is Bradley Chubb, but he's not as quick as Bradley Chubb. But put him at three three technique, four or five technique, um, let him rush from the interior, and I think Contavious Street could be an absolute steal in the NFL draft, especially when you get him with collar. Because right now, Contavious Street is more athlete than he is a football player, but his ability to get off is incredible. And he's somebody that I am really excited to see at the combine. Not bad picks. I like him. Yeah. So uh, fourth round, then we'll get ourselves out of here since you don't want to do the fifth round. Cause you're a pansy. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll just go into mine quickly. I got, I got two here. I got offensive guard, Will Hernandez from UTEP. Uh, got a little bit of max Grossi in this game. I don't want to scare anybody off, but we're talking fourth round here. I think that's the round that max Grossi was picked to. Uh, he's much stronger, looks much more cerebral uh, in his, his sets. Uh, very, very, very strong at the point of attack. Can move people easily. He had a game against Oklahoma where he might have honestly been the best player, the best offensive lineman on the field, and that's including Orlando Brown Jr. Um, I think he's going to fall a little bit because of, he played at UTEP and because interior offensive linemen just aren't as valued as tackles in today's NFL. But I'm a big fan of Will Hernandez, and I wouldn't be surprised if he moved himself up to late day two uh, as the process continues. My last pick, we have two fourth-round picks this year, thanks to the San Francisco 49ers giving us a fourth-round pick when we traded Capri Bips. Thank you, John Lynch. Uh, I have Darius Phillips, the defensive back and kick returner from Western Michigan. I went to watch the Western Michigan uh, Michigan State game, watching uh, Chukwuma Okorafor, who's a tackle that is potentially could be a round one tackle when it's all said and done. And Darius Phillips just stole my heart. He closes on the ball extremely quickly, super instinctual, comes down and very aggressive in run support. And he had like two kick returns that went, one of them went for a touchdown, one was for 50 yards. Uh, he had a forced fumble that he recovered himself and returned for a touchdown. And he had an interception and two pass breakups. I mean, he was literally just all over the field. I've never seen... Well, that's not true, right? But it's it's really rare to see a defensive back take over a game the way he did in that one. And uh, right now, it looks like he's a late day two, early day three guy. So nabbing him round four, I think, is acceptable. It's in the, it's it's within his air bar, and uh, he adds some special teams and uh, another cornerback to a already good and young unit, but could use uh, some reinforcements. All right. Well, mine, I have Blaze Brown. <laughs> I, I had to keep looking up his name because I kept ty- typing Bryce. I, I just, it was so hard to come up with Blaze, but cornerback for Troy. And uh, I watched a little bit of this guy. I need to watch more. It's hard to find tape on Troy, 
without having to watch an entire game and then trying to find a cornerback that disappears off the screen a lot. But he uh, he's a ex-wide receiver. And I kind of like these guys that come over from wide receiver to cornerback. One, because they have better hands. And, and two, I just think they understand what the wide receiver is trying to do a little bit more. They just have a little bit more instinctual ability. And last year, his first year playing cornerback, he goes out and has six interceptions. Now, he got beat some. He bit on double moves a lot because he's overaggressive. His coaches really talked to him a lot. And he said that's one thing he's working on this year is playing a little bit smarter. And But I don't know. He just He's a guy that flashes. And I just think with the, the quarterbacks that we have, he has a little bit of time to develop. And you can still stick him out there and maybe go make you a play here and there. But, yeah, this year already, Troy just had that really – Big win over LSU. Guess who had the final interception to seal the game? Blaze Brown. He just, like I said, he just makes plays when you absolutely need one. And to have that in the secondary, you'd said earlier, how long has it been since we had, was it the Dallas game? Was the last time we had an interception by the no-fly zone? Well, I guess I guess Justin Simmons, but I mean by the cornerbacks. And yeah. and, and that'll just come. It'll come in waves. You'll have one game where they'll have two, three picks, and then... No picks for a couple of weeks, so it just happens. But Blaze Brown, I think he adds something to the team. And then my last one here, Dalen Mack, nose tackle for Texas A&M. And you and I both agree, nose tackle is not really a valuable position. But we are seeing right now, Domata Pecco, what he brings to the table. That man changed the entire run defense just by his presence being on the field. And I love Domata Pecco, but he's also getting, he's older. He's got one more year on his contract, and so I'd love to have Dalen Mack sit behind him, get a little bit of playing time, and just learn how to to run the middle of the field because his athleticism for a 330-pound man, I watched one play. He beat the the quarterback backstepping to the running back to hand it off. They were, they were playing from under center. Quarterback goes back to try to hand it off to, to run up the middle, and Mack is already there. He tackles both of them at the same time. I don't know how they didn't fumble. And he just had play after play where I'm just going, who is this guy? Like, there's no way a 330-pound man is moving like this. And he he needs a little bit more strength. But I also saw him a lot of times where he did well anchoring against double teams. He just, the, the one big thing I would say that he needs to work on, and this is why I love him, is because I think if you pair him with Bill Kolar, he struggles with learning how to hand fight. He just doesn't know how to use his hands. If, if he doesn't win with that first step, he usually doesn't go and make the play. He, he'll, he'll hold up at his spot. He'll hold the line of, of scrimmage, but he just doesn't know how to get off his guy to go make a play. So his stats don't show a lot, but I think that's just because mostly he's just still needing to learn technique. And so, like I said, you get a year of Kolar with this guy, and I think he turns into one of the better nose tackles in the game. Well, there you go, folks. Carl and I's first official huddle up mock draft. Uh, if you have any questions for us about any of the players, make sure you reach out to us on Twitter. Um, but before we get out of here, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial backslash huddle up. So hopefully all you listeners enjoyed our uh, roster breakdown. Um, we will be back with you for next week for a preview of the New York Giants where we actually get to see an offensive line that was that is worse this year than the Broncos offensive line was last year I stand by that so hopefully we'll have some interior pass rush and a couple more sacks from Vaughn and some shacks from Shaq and poor Eli Manning gonna get smacked around a little bit but we'll save that for next week um 
Carl, do you have any pieces that you have coming out uh, right now this week? Well, I, I haven't done a player breakdown for a while, and so I thought I'd leave this up to the the Twitter Twitter universe out there, the Twitterverse. And if there's any players that you would like me to break down that you've maybe kind of been wondering what they've looked like, let me know, and and I'll try to get to them this week. Awesome, and I am working on a Menelik Watson film piece, and I think I may do a stock up, stock down position or a piece coming up here. I'm not sure. It's bye week. It's going to be a little slower, and we have a chance to do some roster reflection. So, like Carl talked earlier, I am literally obsessed. So I'll probably put one out there for you guys. Uh, you can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, myself at Nick Kendall MHH, and find all of our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com and CBS Sports Digital Network. For VIP listeners, make sure you're checking out the film articles that I have been putting out uh, one a week. So hope you guys are enjoying that and. Again, make sure you're talking, uh, asking questions on there. There's a new comment section on those articles, which is always fun, and I try to check back on you guys. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube, so make sure you stop by and leave a comment on there because Carl and I both make sure to answer you guys' questions on there. Um, follow us on Twitter, at Huddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love talking football, draft, everything. I mean... We're on Twitter quite a bit. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall, wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. We're sorry that we went long, but nah, we're not that sorry. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it either way, though. And we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.